Welcome to the Game Changers podcast. Each week, we navigate the most important changes that affect pharmacotherapy. Plus, you can earn pharmacy and medicine CE credit. We know you're busy, so let us bring the learning to you. Click on Claim CE Credit in the show notes below. Now let's welcome your host, Jeff Wall, as he discusses this week's clinical practice game changers. Hello and welcome again to another episode of Game Changers Clinical Conversations. I am your host, Jeff Wall, Professor of Pharmacy Practice at Drake University. Welcome to the show. We are a podcast where we really try to give uh, listeners, both uh, you know, clinicians of all stripes, we hope, but certainly pharmacists and, and, and uh, prescribers, you know, the latest pharmacotherapy information they need that they can really translate to the, the bedside right away at the highest evidence level and, and really making it something that, that you can use right away. So, you know, the old trope news you can use we really do try to do that here at Game Changers uh, in, in the realm of pharmacotherapy. If you're a new listener, thank you for, for joining us. If you're a longtime listener, thanks for sticking around. Today, we wanted to talk today about monkeypox because, of course, you know, why, why, why have one pandemic when, when, when we can have another potential one heading, heading our way? Um, though so far, I have to admit from what I've read, thank goodness, um, it doesn't seem like this will, will be nearly the issue that, that, that COVID has been, which I think we can all breathe the collective sigh of relief about. But it certainly has made the news and uh, the World Health Organization and the CDC is very concerned about it because of the outbreaks that have occurred in uh, countries around the world that have just never seen uh, significant cases of monkeypox before. So it's not something we should ignore by any means, uh, but I don't think I should be, I don't think we should be running for the hills and getting in our bunkers either. So today we thought we'd talk a little bit about what it is and what uh, we've been seeing and what World Health Organization has been seeing. And and for those of you who might uh, be prescribed, be, you know, seeing patients, uh, what you should be looking for and what uh, uh, treatment measures and prevention measures we have. So first up, what is human monkeypox? Well, it, it's a zoonosis, right? So it, it's caused by initially by animal to human uh, contact by the monkeypox virus, which is, as you might guess, a uh, orthopox virus and a close relative of smallpox. Now, again, you know, when you hear the word smallpox, it does make you want to run for the hills, but remember that this is a much less virulent cousin of smallpox, uh, which, which is good to hear. It was first reported in Central Africa in 1970, has been really kind of confined to, uh, uh, you know, either Central or Western Africa in in large part. Um, Unfortunately, some of the poorest and most marginalized communities in the world have had outbreaks of of monkeypox, unfortunately. The clinical syndrome um, is is varied, but is usually characterized by a high fever, a pustular type rash, and and I was looking at some pictures online of of, of monkeypox infections, and they can be on, on the hands, on the feet, on the skin, kind of all over the place, lymphadenopathy, and most people do fine with it. They, they're sick for a few days, and then they, then they get better, and everything's fine, but there are complications that can occur, and you can get pneumonitis, encephalitis, site-threatening keratitis, and then, of course, secondary bacterial infections uh, after the viral infection is gone. So far, almost all the data we have on monkeypox has, been, has, has come from outbreaks that have occurred in, in Central and Western Africa, and so that's where we get most of our data as far as incidence, prevalence, mortality, stuff like that, and mortality rates are really kind of all over the place, apparently. They basically just case reports of, of, of mortality with outbreaks. It seems like there is a two types or two clades of, of the virus. 
uh, one in uh, the Congo Basin and, and one in West Africa, and they both apparently have different mortality rates. The, the former, the one in the Congo Basin, has had fatality rates ranging from 1% to 10%, which is a pretty wide range in my opinion, um, whereas the uh, West African clade seems to be uh, the more recent one and has been had a mortality rate consisting less than 3%. Interestingly, uh, almost all deaths have been recorded in young children and immunocompromised patients. So again, I, you know, the, the mortality in immunocompetent patients seems to be much, much less. It's again, not, not a disease I'd be interested in getting, but it certainly seems that if you're immunocompetent that the mortality is quite low. So where did this, this outbreak come on uh, uh, the first report of it, WHO really had was on May 13th of, of this year, where they had uh, now found that that a number of countries that don't normally have monkeypox cases uh, had almost you know, simultaneously reported cases of the virus in their countries. And across the world, though, a wide majority of them were in Europe and the United Kingdom, but also in the United States has been reported as well. And, and the thing that really had, I think, and probably still has epidemiologists kind of scratching their heads is that the cases don't seem to be linked to travel in endemic areas. So as you might imagine, you don't, you'd say, okay, well, sure, there's an outbreak because someone went to uh, Central Africa, you know, uh, got monkeypox came back to, you know, their home country and, and, and then it spread from there. They haven't found that, that spread. So that, that's been the kind of big question mark that a lot, a lot of epidemiologists are, are looking at. And as you might imagine, I have no doubt WHO and CDC, I'm sure, have, have teams that are trying to kind of trace this back and trying to figure out what's going on. Interestingly, it seems that the cases that are reported outside of Africa have been uh, primarily uh, with men who have sex with men and have actually been reported in primary care and sexual health clinics which again brings the uh, to 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 fact another thing that's causing infectious disease experts to kind of scratch their heads is the, p the possibility that monkeypox is a sexually transmitted disease which had not been previously reported so there's a lot of head scratching going on uh, for people far smarter than I am trying to figure out what's going on here but the bottom line is that the WHO notes that the situation is evolving they expect there will be more cases of monkeypox reported throughout the world and if you're a pharmacist you're a provider it's just something that you should keep in the back of your head you know, I think before COVID hit, you know, uh, those of you remember the Zika virus outbreak and, and you, know, you know, when someone had traveled to an endemic area, we were kind of being on the lookout for people who might have Zika virus. This is going to kind of be the same thing. I think that, that you know, you have to keep in mind that, that you don't necessarily have to have someone who's traveled to Central Africa who might get this. And if they uh, have symptoms and perhaps meet some of the epidemiologic characteristics, you know, monkeypox is going to have to be in the back of your head. And I can tell you working with physicians now for 30 years that I suspect that if you talk to the average primary care physician, monkeypox was probably not going to be in the differential of someone who hadn't traveled outside the United States and it had, and it appeared in a clinic with fever, rash, and, and, and lymphadenopathy. So it's just something we're going to have to kind of keep in the back of our heads. Uh, currently, uh, as of the end of May, we had 92 laboratory confirmed cases reported to the WHO, again, all throughout the world. But the, the, it seems like the biggest concentrations were in Portugal. Spain and the United Kingdom, where they had somewhere between 20 and 30 cases reported in each country, but about five cases as of the end of, of, of May had been reported in the United States as, as well. So, so kind of keep that in mind. Uh, how is monkeypox uh, transmitted? It's transmitted from one person to another by close contact with the lesions. And of course, that's, you know, uh, that's true for all uh, uh, pox viruses, uh, uh, body fluids, 
respiratory droplets, so someone who coughs on you and stuff like that, and then contaminated materials such as bedding, because if you don't clean bedding and someone has, has lesions, they can actually leave some of the infected material there. Incubation period is six to 13 days, so a little bit longer than we see with a lot of other viral infections, but can range uh, up to 21 days, as a matter of fact. So, um, uh, you know, again, and, and kind of the delayed incubation period, of course, may make it a little more difficult to, to do contact tracing, et cetera, et cetera. So, as I mentioned, you know, that when they've looked at outbreaks in Africa, the, the majority of them have been self-limiting. So, again, I think that's some good news to hear. But, in, again, uh, children, pregnant women, and, and patients who are immunocompromised in, in, in Africa, particularly patients with HIV, have, have seen it to have some of the more severe uh, complications associated, associated with this. So, World Health Organization basically says that if you're a primary care provider, or really any provider, and I would say this, this includes pharmacists too, if someone comes into your uh, pharmacy asking questions, uh, you should keep monkeypox in the back of your head if someone has kind of the standard kind of pustular lesions. And again, this isn't going to be a maculopapular rash or anything like that. You know, I'm at the, you know, you can certainly go online and, and, and see some of the, some of the, the uh, pictures of a monkeypox rash that's kind of pustular in nature. Um, and then they either have headache, fever, swollen lymph nodes, muscle and body aches, back pain, and weakness. Those are some, those are the things that World Health Organization says those are some of the common symptoms that are reported with monkeypox infection. Now, I, I can hear the, 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 the provider saying, well, none of that's very specific, except perhaps for the pustular lesions. And you're right, um, it, you know, as always with, with viral infections, you know, uh, uh, coming down on a diagnosis is always challenging. Um, but I think this is just like, again, like we had with Zika virus is something that, that, you're, that we're really going to have to kind of think about now, which is something, like I said, we had never really done before. So, you know, um, so that's for the providers. Uh, now the question becomes, you know, are we kind of where we were with with COVID, you know, two years ago, where, you know, we're going to have people scrambling to come up with a new vaccine and stuff like that. And the good news, again, another piece of good news about this is what, that we don't have to. Uh, uh, historically, uh, smallpox vaccinations have been very protective against monkeypox. And of course, you know, uh, uh, we do have a stockpile of smallpox vaccine. It's, it's, an, it's been more for biological warfare because uh, smallpox was was uh, wiped out. It's actually one of the, the, the first diseases to be completely eradicated from humans. Um, which is kind of, that's all that's a kind of great story if you want to dig into that in and of itself but uh, but there is a stockpile of of um of smallpox vaccines, older patients, uh, you know, patients who are in their 70s, 80s, or, or have grown up in other countries, uh, may well have already been vaccinated against uh, a smallpox and may have protection against monkeypox as well. Um, as you might imagine, the the duration of of, of protection is, is unknown, but that's 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 something to kind of keep in mind. There are a, a couple of treatments that are being looked at for acute monkeypox infection. Uh, one specific treatment is called tecoviramat, and it was actually approved in uh, 2022, so uh, that earlier this year, but it's not widely available. Uh, there's also some other being studied antivirals and stuff like that. So that's, you know, kind of a kind of a 30,000 foot view. So now the question comes up, you know, what do we have on patients who've been in this, this outbreak from other countries? Uh, do we have any data on treatment on these patients, et cetera, et cetera? And the fact is, yeah, we do. Hot off the press is a paper uh, that was published and we'll have, we'll have the link in the show notes, basically looking at, at patients who've been treated in in the UK from 2018 to 2021. So some of these patients were part of outbreaks from other countries and, and had transmitted it there. Um, but this may give us a, a clue or, or kind of a window on how, what we might see in these patients and, and how treatment would go with them. And we're going to talk about that. But again, you know, so far from what I've read, it, it seems like the good news is that is that uh, uh, this is a, a, a usually
largely self-limited infection. We already have vaccines in place that if we needed to, we could start using. Um, and there is already some treatments, though, though we're going to talk about how well they work. The problem, of course, with the with studying this is, is you know, randomized controlled trials are going to be, you know, kind of out of the question, at least now, because there's so few people who get it. And so, you know, I mean, it would be almost impossible to do do randomized controlled trial data. So when we take a look at what would we see in patients who, who presented with monkeypox and what would what would treatment, you know, uh, kind of take a look look like basically in these patients. And a really hot off the press paper just published a couple of weeks ago from the UK tries to answer that question. So it talks about uh, seven patients in the United Kingdom from 2018 to 2021 who had developed an acute monkeypox infection and what what did they basically look at. And so so taking a look at these seven patients, um, again, this is from 2018 to 2021. These patients were uh, mostly in Liverpool, interestingly, uh, though a couple in London. Age range was in their in kind of 30s to 40s was was almost all of these patients. The one patient was under the age of two. Um, uh, it was evenly split between males and females. Um, and the country of acquisition again mostly was was Central Africa, though again some was was UK transmission as well. None of the patients except uh, one had had uh, a previous smallpox vaccination. Uh, all of them were negative for HIV, hepatitis uh, B and C. All of them had complained of a of a of two to four days of a prodrome of fevers and night sweats or fevers and groin, groin swelling. So that was pretty common among them. All of them had lymph, lymphadenopathy, and the number of the pustular lesions varied tremendously from as little as 10 in one patient to 150 in another's. And the distribution of the lesions was pretty much all over the place in the body. So face, scalp, trunk, limbs, palms, and, and uh, uh, genital areas as well. Complications, again, um, uh, most of these were, were local complications. Uh, one had developed a, a, a contact dermatitis from scratching because of the, 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 the lesion itch. One had developed deep tissue abscesses from, from, from the lesions. One patient, unfortunately, developed a severe conjunctivitis, and so that, that was kind of bad, but unfortunately, none had developed uh, things like pneumonitis or encephalitis or, or or any deep tissue or you know type of infections, all had monkeypox viral DNA detected either in the blood or in the by a nose or throat swab. And then we can kind of get into treatment of, of these patients because some of these patients did receive treatment. About half of them did, uh, uh, and some of the complications with that. Uh, many of them are hospitalized, um, and I think that was probably more because of the uniqueness of monkeypox and probably trying to keep them from spreading it to other people. But many of these patients were hospitalized. But the good news. Is all seven of these patients made a full recovery, and so that's good to hear. So, you know, what did they do as, as, as far as treatment is concerned in these patients? Well, the first three patients were treated with a investigational drug, uh, Brin Sidofavir, which, if you if if the name sounds familiar, Sidofavir has been a drug we've used for CMV for HIV for for many many years. It's kind of a last ditch hail mary drug for that. This is a cousin of of that Brin Sidofavir, and that and and that was actually uh, got. Uh, uh, received by compassionate use. They started it in three patients who had a monkeypox and they started it within seven days of the onset of the pustular rash. Unfortunately, all three of the patients developed elevated LFTs and had to, and had to discontinue treatment. So that didn't look too swell, unfortunately. Um, they, you know, they point out that, that they had, had to even try to take a wild guess at what the, what the right dose would be and things along those lines, because again, it's never really been studied. Basically, unfortunately, uh, LFT abnormalities basically made it so that they weren't able to complete the, the therapy. And unfortunately, uh, 
even the patients were on it for several days, they did not notice a significant decrease in viral load in most of those patients. So it doesn't look like brincidovivir, at least in the three patients they looked at, was very helpful and may actually be harmful. However, the the the, the tecoviramat that, that that we talked about before uh, was also started in a couple of patients. Uh, this was better tolerated in several patients they started it in, and they actually did see a significant decrease in uh, viral load as well as improvement in clinical symptoms. So, you know, again, you know, <laughs> hardly a randomized control trial. Um, we may, it may, you know, unless, unless, and I truly hope this doesn't happen, that we see a lot of patients with monkeypox, you know, we're, we're probably never going to see an RCT, we're going to see case series and things along those lines for, for the foreseeable future. But it does seem in, in these small number of patients that the tecoviramat seems to have, have, have at least some role and, and was well tolerated in these patients. And then we get to the vaccines. And, and as I said, we do have two smallpox vaccines that should provide good protection against monkeypox. There's two in the United States that are approved, the, um, which is uh, the first one is ACAM 200. And the second one is Genostem, which is uh, also known as Imbimune. And uh, they are the two, they are actually FDA approved in the United States to, to prevent smallpox. So um, again, ACAM 200 and Imbimune are the two. And Currently, of course, since smallpox is theoretically eradicated from the earth, ACIP does not recommend that everybody gets uh, the smallpox vaccine and really recommended currently only in patients whose jobs may expose them to uh, uh, pox viruses. Uh, and, and so it really is kind of an occupational thing. But it, it, it is worth noting that we do actually have two vaccines that are, that are ready to go. And patients might have a short term working that you can even kind of do pre-exposure prophylaxis with them. So um, that that's they also uh, that clinical laboratory personnel who work with uh, pox viruses should probably receive uh, the, the monkeypox virus currently and things along those lines. These kind of vaccines, I think, are going to be challenging if, if, if we do have to have some sort of mass uh, uh, uptake from the population, uh, particularly uh, the first one, the ACAM200, because the ACAM200 is essentially uh, going back to uh, what Jenner wanted to do and with, with smallpox initially. It's basically a kind of a, a variation of a variolation, which is basically where you have a live smallpox vaccine that is is uh, inoculated into the surface of the skin by by small skin pricks, and you have to do multiple skin pricks in one small area, and then after that, they they will develop a pustular lesion that is a smallpox lesion at the site of vaccination, and that's called a take. And um, the virus growing at that site of inoculation, um, um, yeah, you have to be careful because that can be spread to other parts of the body or other people. And then once they receive that that vaccine, then that will, their body will develop uh, um, antibodies to smallpox from this very small and infection just on the surface of the skin, and they should be protected against both smallpox and, and monkeypox. Um, um, and so they must take precautions to prevent spread of the vaccine virus when they receive the, the take, as it were, but they are considered vaccinated within 20 days. The Imbimune is administered as, as another non-replicating live virus, and it's it's actually uh, uh, administered as two subcutaneous injections four weeks apart. There is no visible take, and so there's no risk of spreading it once you, uh, you know, there's, there's no lesion that's going to form, and people who receive this are not considered vaccinated until they receive until two weeks after the second dose of the vaccine. So the earlier one, I think, is going to be you know the ACAM two thousand. If if that has to be rolled out on a mass basis, it's just going to be extremely challenging, in my opinion. If the anti-vaccine people have, or you know, I'm sure they'll have a field day with this. Though these, you know, if you want to talk about about a way to vaccinate against people that we've been doing now for about three hundred years, uh, you couldn't get any 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 more <laughs> data than with with that 
that form way way of variolation of people. Um, I think the, the second one ha has the disadvantage of having to have two vaccines to be considered fully vaccinated, but doesn't have the take and doesn't have the risk of spreading uh, you know the virus to other people, which is a good thing. So you know, bottom line is is we know that smallpox vaccine seems to have really good uh, protection against monkeypox. I suspect that given the data that we have now, that that only patients at high risk, so patients with immunocompromised or maybe uh, again, pregnant women or something like that may, may be uh, advised to, to treat this. I think that's kind of a wait and see uh, who's actually gonna get the vaccine down the road. But you know, I, I guess the good news, if you, want, if you want to call it that, is that we're way ahead of the game than we ever were with COVID as far as some treatments already in the box and, and definitely some vaccines though. Um, again, I, 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 can, I can almost hear the uh, community pharmacist you know, kind of shuddering <laughs> over, the, over the ether of the internet because it's like, you know, if, if you're gonna have to like jab these individuals into, into people and then say, now you got to you know, make sure that you don't, this lesion doesn't get into contact with anybody for days afterwards. That, that's going to be uh, very challenging. So that's where we are with monkeypox. I think, again, you know, something to be aware of, uh, something to, to, to keep in the back of our heads, but again, nothing to, to get to go running for the hills from, um, which is which is really good, good, good. And and so I think that, that you know, yeah, I think the, the, the role of the healthcare provider is basically, you know, you know, keeping in mind that monkeypox virus, you know, it has been reported in patients who haven't been to, to endemic areas. It seems to be mostly been associated in men who have sex with men. Uh, keep, it, keep that in the back of your mind if somebody presents with, the, you know, has that history and might have some of the symptoms, you might consider testing them. Obviously, in, in the United States, that means, you know, sending a blood sample or a, a nasal swab sample off to your uh, state, health, uh, state health department, and they can actually do the PCR testing and get that information done. And we'll wait to see if CDC or WHO starts recommending more widespread smallpox vaccination for patients at risk. So that's it for this week's um, Game Changers. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week. But until then, remember, time flies. I don't know where it's going, but the most important day is today. Take care. Thanks for listening in. Claim your CE credit by clicking on the link in the show notes. And check out CE Impact's other education at ceimpact.com, where we curate the most important information in pharmacy and medicine to deliver straight to you. Join today to connect your learning to practice.